Hey, hey, you're listening to the Level Up Creators Podcast. Amanda Northcutt here, founder and CEO. We help digital creators build thriving, sustainable businesses they love. We're so glad you're here. Welcome. And my guest today is Aaron Francis, an amazing creator and keynote speaker who is best known on the internet for his kindness, expertise with MySQL, Shed Quarters, and of course, Screencasting.com, his new digital course where Aaron walks you through how to seriously up-level your screencasts, aka any video content you make whatsoever. And he is joining us actually from my hometown, Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, thank you. That's quite an intro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation. I think it's going to help anyone who listens for sure. Uh, but before we dive into our main topic today, which is how to make high quality video content, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey so far as a creator? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm reading over the, or listening to that intro you just gave me best known for kindness expertise with my sequel and shed quarters which is just such a random it's just such a random <laughs> collection of things um but yeah i am um let's see i'm a software developer and i have been for a super long time and as of like the past maybe two or three years i've really kind of started to like put myself out there publicly on the internet and that has kind of been, I guess, the catalyst for a lot of what's happening um, in my life today, up to and including launching screencasting.com. Um, so I've just kind of had this turn of like, man, what do I want to do with my life and what's stopping me? And I found a lot of what was stopping me was like fear of what other people would think of me. And so I just have kind of pushed past that and the world has opened up before me. Nice. And that's why we're here today. Actually, I'm so glad that you have been sharing on the internet and that you came up with screencasting.com. And um, that's actually how you and I got connected was mm -hmm. uh, we were starting a video podcast, which here we are with Level Up Creators. And uh, I was pretty uh, overwhelmed and nervous about my video and, and lighting setup. And um, you have been an audio too, I guess the full AV thing. Mm -hmm. You have been so incredibly helpful and specific. And this was far less of intimidating, an intimidating undertaking after uh, getting your advice. So thank you. I've personally benefited and uh, love your course. And just thank you. Thank you for putting it out there and pushing past the fear and walking straight into the pain of uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially putting yourself out there out there on Twitter or X. Yeah. Do you say Twitter or X? I you, say Twitter. You... I'm, uh, I, I know that that dates me as an old person, but <laughs> X is a ridiculous name, so I will continue to say Twitter. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> okay, so what exactly is screencasting.com? And uh, tell us a little bit more about what prompted you to create this course specifically. You have so many different areas of expertise. So how in the world did you land on this? Yeah, so this is kind of like my my meta course. So I, I've done several video courses, screencast series, that sort of thing. And they've been more specifically in my other areas of expertise. And so I've created one on the database called uh, MySQL for the company that I work for, PlanetScale. And that was like a 65 video, eight hour course, um, just teaching people how to use this tool that I know and love. And that was, I think, maybe my third or fourth video course that I'd ever done. And after I did that, you know, people would ask me, this was earlier in this year, people would come up to me and be like, hey, the course was great. Love the content. By the way, can you teach me how to make courses like that? Can you teach me how to do screencasts? Can you teach me how to do video? And I was like, this is really, this is really interesting because 
I had never thought, I had never thought that I would be the one to teach people how to make mm -hmm. video. But I think I realized that I had a lot of expertise in making video after all these years. And, and I think I had a, a point of view, which was like, anyone can teach you how to make video, or maybe not even anyone, several people can teach you how to make video. Only I can teach you how to make video the way I make video, which is uh, like with a focus on how do we do this? Like, how do we do this efficiently? Because we got other mm -hmm. stuff we got to do. But how do we like, how do we do it in a like a high quality way by just like knowing the five or 10 things you got to look out for? Like, it's not that hard to go mm -hmm. from a from like a C plus to an A. You just got to know, like, all right, I got to make sure that I do these five things. And so that's when I realized, wait, maybe, you know, the market is speaking here and I should just put this all into a course. And so that's that's what I did. Nice. That's awesome. And one thing that I really appreciate about, about you is you will pursue whole, wholeheartedly any area of interest that you have. And it is so cool that you then share your learnings with your following on Twitter, um, which has been growing quite quickly as is your new YouTube channel. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that's great because people who have great things to say and to teach others deserve a platform and an audience. And, you know, you are just a perfect example of a modern creator who is building a following around a number of area of interest, but I love the, the commonality and um, actually want to talk about your rules for Twitter also really yeah, quickly, but yeah, yeah. The, the commonality seems to be that you are this internet nice guy. You know, you are this antithesis to tech pro and um, people really resonate with that, which you wouldn't think honestly with uh, Twitter being your primary mm -hmm. platform at this point. So yep. tell us about your Twitter participation rules. Yeah, so I have, I'll pull them up here. I have like actual written down specific rules that mm -hmm. I have, you know, tweeted and pinned to my profile and been like, this is, you know, if I'm going to show up on this platform, this is, this is how I'm going to do it. And I'll read those out in a second. But just generally, I think, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of cynicism, especially in kind of the circles that I run in, which is a lot of like engineering and developing. And like, there's just a lot of people really trying to prove, I guess, how smart they are. Um, and so there's a like when you put something out there, oftentimes people are going to come back with like the reasons it won't work or a way in mm -hmm. which you screwed it up. Or, you know, I've actually done that before, before you did. And this happened to me actually just yesterday. So I, I've reached this point where I'm, you know, anytime I, I learn something new or discover something, I try to like think, all right, how can I, how can I share this? And so I tweeted one out mm -hmm. yesterday and somebody replied and said, why are people surprised by this? You could do this in Fortran, which is like some super old thing that I, I've never used in my life. Um, he's like, why, why does anybody care? You could do this, you know, for the past 20 years. And my response to him was just, yeah, I just learned about it today. And that means that maybe the odds are good that other people don't know about it. And so like, if I learned it today, maybe other people don't know about it and I'll share it. And I think I finished with like, you could say that I'm like pro learning. Like I just, I thought it was cool. And so yeah. my, my like point of view on, on, putting yourself out there, especially on Twitter, is there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that don't know the things that you know. And I think we start to surround ourselves with like other experts and we start to think like, oh, everybody knows 
everything that I know or worse, everybody is smarter than me and I have nothing to say. And we forget that like mm. the world is huge. Like the world is enormous and the internet is enormous. And there are tons of people behind you on, on the road or in the journey that are like, man, I wish people would, would share more because I don't know anything. Yeah. And so that's kind of like part of my, part of my uh, philosophy on like what I share, but then these rules. So I'll read these rules out. Um, there are three of them. The first one is encourage other people um, saying, if you like the work that someone is doing, tell them because, <laughs> because it is a reality that most people get uh, critical <laughs> or cynical feedback. If you see something that you like and you tell the person you're going to make their day. Um, so that's the first one. The other one is be positive. A feed full of negativity is zero fun to follow. And like, this is like, 50% life advice and 50% content strategy. Like yeah. it's a good thing to be positive. Of course. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm not going to follow somebody who's always complaining about everything. And so that's kind of like the, the life advice content strategy. If you're always moaning about how a fortune 50 company has made your life harder because of the emails that they send or the baggage that they lost, like, I'm sorry. That's just, I that bums me out and I don't want to follow somebody who's always moaning about everything. Like life is hard. I agree. That's what your group texts are for. That's what your, your <laughs> private group texts with your friends to complain about American airlines. Definitely do that. I'm just not that interested in seeing that. And then the last one is share what you're working on because people are drawn to other people in motion. And like, I think this is probably the most important for like, deciding what content you want to share just share what you're doing mm -hmm. because i think we're you know once we get in the trenches we're like man none of this is interesting because i'm like seeing how everything is done but to the outsider they just want to see cool stuff happening like we just want to watch other people do things partly because in our like in our deepest heart we want to be doing things ourselves and there's some part of like, oh, man, I can watch other people do it. And that makes me feel like a little bit like I, I'm doing it. And the other mm -hmm. thing is like it can inspire other people to actually do things and be like, wait, that guy, Aaron, he just posts whatever he's working on that day and whatever he found interesting. Like, that's not that hard. Like, it doesn't take a super genius to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that like pushes other people to say, yeah, I do stuff. Why don't I just talk about it more? I love that. I love all of those rules. And I think they're could be full on applied for rules to live by. And I've got <laughs> so many things running through my head here. Uh, like what's the saying? Uh, nobody know, nobody cares how much, you know, and, until they know how much you care. Um, hmm. I'm thinking about the like FDR quote that Brene Brown cites a lot about, you know, if you're not in the arena, if you're not down here in the middle of the arena on the floor with this huge audience breathing down your neck, like shut up. If yeah. you're not showing up and bringing it, stop. Like, yeah. <laughs> I won't, yeah. I was going to make a joke about being in your mom's basement. I'll leave that there though. But, um, <laughs> you know, I love, I love the approach that you take to sharing content online and it is really inspiring to other people and then, and kind of seeing a regular guy, other people, I don't think see you as a regular guy because you have an audience and are creating content and putting yourself out there. But you, in, in some ways, like you're a dad, you're a family guy. And, um, I just love that you share what you do. And I think you teach other people and man, that comment that the guy made about the platform that you mentioned, I have no idea. I'm not a software engineer or anything close. Mm -hmm. You don't want me anywhere near any code, but, <laughs> um, the lack of empathy in a, in a comment like yeah. that is just, mm -hmm. 
Uh, yeah, that makes me so I've, frustrated. I've realized, like, I think I it used to be, I don't get in fights online. I just don't, yeah. I just don't do it. And I think part of the reason why is because I've realized, like, when a guy, when it's always a guy, when a guy makes a comment like that, <laughs> that's like, why does, why did you share this? Or why is anyone resonating with this? I already knew that. The only thing that that person, the only thing that that person wants is to feel special and feel validated mm -hmm. and feel like they are worthy. And so like, I just respond. I don't want to, I don't want to fight with them. I don't want to say like, I, I don't want to get into a nitty gritty debate over details or, or mm -hmm. anything like that. I just want to say like, yeah, other, other people don't know that. Like you do know that. That's awesome. Congratulations. Other people don't know that. And I, it's really disarming. I think it's really disarming to approach that kind of like negative reply guy with, that's really great. I honestly didn't know that until this very day. So like, you've got, you've got a leg up on me. And that's the thing that's really, I think that's the like meta principle here is honestly, it doesn't matter who knows the most. Like, and this this can be really frustrating for hyper analytical people. It doesn't mm. matter if you know more than someone else. It doesn't matter if your product is better than somebody else's. It doesn't matter if your anything is better. What matters and the outsized the outsized benefits accrue to the people who are doing it publicly. And so there are engineers, there are scores and and thousands of engineers that are way smarter than me everywhere even in the company that i work at i'm probably one of the the dumbest engineers and i say that without false humility like i just am but the perception of me in the public in the public eye is that i'm really smart and this great like database guy and it's just like well, there just aren't that many database people talking publicly and mm -hmm. so you attribute to me being really smart but honestly I'm not that I'm not that good at it. And I just talk about it a whole lot more than other people. And so that's like the unfair thing that is the reality of how the world slash the marketplace works is yeah, the marketplace doesn't reward your your hidden knowledge. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that's what I realized a few years ago. You say I'm a normal guy like three years ago. I think I had a thousand followers on Twitter and now I have twenty four thousand and it's like I'm still the same guy. Like nothing changed except that I started putting it out there more. Mm. I like that. And I really appreciate your growth mindset and your willingness to go out and solve problems and do that publicly and fail publicly. And yeah, it's like a, a kind of a group learning social experiment almost. I mean, your whole Twitter account. Uh, but yeah. All right. I'm going to pull us back in here to screencasting because yeah. um, I think we could talk about how to behave on the internet and how not to behave <laughs> on the internet all day. But mm -hmm. all right. So I approached you, I came to you because I was pretty overwhelmed with the whole, you know, getting started thing. And so mm -hmm. recording video online. And so, you know, it requires camera setup, lighting, microphone, um, and the right technology. Editing can be a really big headache. What are the biggest bar barriers to video production that you are seeing and how did you address those in your course? Yeah, I think the biggest barriers are it feels like so most people that want to create video are they are a technical expert in some field, right? So they're a software developer, they're a, you know, notion expert, they're a wizard with Excel or something. And so they're they're like really 
really good and technical in a certain vertical. And then they look mm -hmm. at video and they're like, oh, this is this is not my field of expertise. This is a new, like, this is a new technical field of expertise I will have to gain. And it's a new medium that I haven't conquered yet. Right. And so I feel like the big, the big holdup for most people is they look at, they, they jump to big video editors and they jump to complicated video and audio setups. And they're like, man, this is, this is a lot. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not the theater kid who knows all of this, like, in my blood from high school yeah. or whatever. Like I got to mm -hmm. learn this all from scratch. And so I think that's a big hang up. I think the other hang up is um, putting yourself on video. Like if you don't like listening to your own voice, boy, are you going to hate looking at your own face? Like that's even like, that's even, even worse. And so recording video and then editing video of you feels really cringe, but once you like once you push past that and you realize the kind of like connection that you can make with the audience by actually showing your face i feel like you start to understand the benefits of it and you kind of just leave the mm. the cringe part behind but the gear the gear is a big like you got to like like you said you didn't know what all to pick and so that's a big okay. thing that i address is like hey here are some levels here's good better best pick anything and just move on i like that I like the good, better, best model a lot, actually. And I really like a, about your course that you GTFP with everything. I mean, I am a very, very busy person. I'm very tight on time. And just the hunting and gathering that would have been required online for me yeah. to go and figure this out on my own. Uh, I mean, that's just a non-starter. Like I don't, I don't have the time to dedicate to that. And so to have a trusted expert who's put all the information together and then some, and has put it into well-organized bite-sized chunks with this good, better, best model, total game changer for me. And, and, and that just reduces the barrier to entry so significantly. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of talking to experts and uh, trying to get as much of their knowledge, squeeze as much of their knowledge out of them as humanly possible in a short amount mm -hmm. of time as possible. Um, cause that's, I think how you can move the, the quickest in, in business yeah. and in life. And so, uh, you came into my life at exactly the right time and I super <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, okay. So let's get into, we've talked about barriers to entry. I think people probably feel that viscerally and, and it is a pretty anxiety producing thing if you haven't done video production before. So, Let's talk about key ingredients for producing high quality video. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there are, I think there are a few and they start way before the camera microphone ready, set, go. I think it starts all the way back with like, who is your audience and what is your angle? And mm. honestly, this is something I messed up for the course at the beginning because my, I, I had viewed my audience as primarily developers and then I think after we talked several times, I thought, wait, my audience could be way broader. It could be like content creators, experts in any field. Mm -hmm. And so that was one thing that like I had recorded a video on defining your audience for the course. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I defined my audience way <laughs> wrong. And so I think defining your audience and picking your angle are super important up front. Um, mm -hmm. And so like defining your audience could be, you know, picking, uh, let's say attorneys or stay at home moms or, you know, developers or whatever, just saying like, who are you teaching? And then kind of ranking them on what's their like current level of expertise with my thing. 
right? Mm -hmm. So what is, if I'm teaching beginners in like, if I'm teaching attorneys who don't know anything about Microsoft Excel, well, your con that's going to shape your content quite a bit versus attorneys who are pretty good with Excel, but want to get really good because they're going into, you know, some specialized field in, in the legal field. I don't know anything about attorneys. So I think determining like who they are and where they kind of rank on the scale is good. And then like, what is your, what is that, that can help define what your angle is? Like, is your angle bookkeeping for disorganized people or bookkeeping for people with ADHD? Like, hey, that's a pretty good angle, right? Okay. And so if you can define those things up front, I just came up with that ADHD angle. That's a, that's great a good angle. one. If, if you can yeah. define those things up front, that'll really help you plan your content better. And it'll help you market better because somebody that's like, yeah, I've got ADHD and you better believe my books are a mess right now. And so this course must be for me. I think those are those are really important things up front um, to help define like what was the question? What key ingredient for producing high quality videos? You start, you got to start with knowing what you're going to say. I feel like that's pretty important. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, right offer, right time, right way, right price point, all those kinds of things. So yeah, getting, getting it together on that front and meeting people where they're at. So content is still king because if you're producing beautiful videos that uh, the content is just well, dismal. Uh, you're not going to get anywhere. Yes. So yeah, I love that. That's exactly. a great yeah, starting point. If you're producing point. the best screencast on in-depth Excel for attorneys, and then you take it to the market and attorneys are like, hey, so what's the sum function do? Like it's a total <laughs> mismatch and the attorneys are going to be like, ah, this is, I need a beginner's course. And then you're, mm -hmm. you're hosed. Yeah. So first things first. Yeah. All right. What else? Yeah, I think beyond that, so like you, you've defined your content. Um, I think it's really important to to have a research phase at some point. And that can look really different if you already are the domain expert. It's so mm -hmm. like I did a I did a video course once on um it was accounting. I was a accounting major back in college, and I took all of my time at school, which I spent three or four years tutoring this one specific class. And I recorded a video course on that. And my research phase for that was like three or four years tutoring that specific class. So that was really easy. But for the database course, I did a ton of research and I just read a bunch of books and like read a bunch of blog posts. And anytime I found something that I was like, this kind of fits the shape of the angle that I'm going for. I just wrote it down. And then after I had like a huge text document of like, ideas and little half ideas, I started to kind of like coalesce and merge those into a linear structure of like, well, we'll start here, we'll work all work our way through and we'll end here. Um, and so that research phase is really important. Uh, but you can't do that without knowing who you're teaching, of course. And then mm -hmm. after that, you turn on, you know, you turn on the lights camera and you start recording. And there are a bunch of little things that you can do to make your screencast feel really high quality and it's stupid stuff like okay don't show the clock and don't show the menu bar and don't show the dock and like hide your desktop mm -hmm. icons and don't have a family photo as your background like all of this stuff that takes it from oh aaron is recording his screen in his bedroom to oh this guy you know they elevate you this guy is a professional teaching me with professional videos and it's like this, I'm the exact same guy. This is still a room off the kitchen. But now, <laughs> because I've like thought about a few things, you feel like I'm some big guy in a studio. And it's like, 
I'm not, but I'm glad you think so. Of the kitchen. I didn't know that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a kitchen. This is a double doors right there. So this is this is the kids nap time, which is why it's so quiet. I figured. Yeah, I thought as much. And you no longer you just moved, right? And so you no longer have your shed quarters yeah, to retreat to. Yeah, big right? detached building, 10 by 20 building in the backyard that was air gapped from all the chaos. And no, no more. Just two little glass doors right there that are incredibly permeable. You're working it out, though. You look and sound like a pro. No worries. See? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, and I want to circle back for just a second. Uh, you made a quick offhanded comment a few minutes ago uh, that I think spoke to sort of your philosophy about sharing online. And mm -hmm. I can't remember the exact line that you delivered, but it was something about, you know, kind of putting yourself out there increases your chances of luck. Can you yeah. tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is another one of those like seemingly unfair things that when you when you like peel it open, it's 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 very obvious. And so a lot of where I am today is because of luck and good fortune. And that is like that's just incontrovertible fact. I just I got mm. lucky a bunch of times. The thing that most people don't realize is that like the amount of luck in your life is controllable. The form it takes or like, I can't force like myself to win the lottery, but I can like point things in the correct direction such that unexpected opportunities come my way. So like, what does that mean for me? Well, I started sharing, like I started sharing that I was working on this like little open source library. And I didn't know where that was going to go, right? But I started talking about it and putting it on Twitter. And somebody that runs a conference reached out and was like, hey, do you want to do a talk on this, on this thing that I've been watching you do? And it's like, wow, that's really lucky. And yeah, you better believe it's lucky. But it would have never happened if I wasn't being public about the work that I was doing. And so I think where a lot of people get hung up is they're like, oh, man, I would love for a conference organizer to reach out to me. I'm like, yeah, it's it's awesome. Why would they reach out to you? Like, what what have you done and what have you shown that like puts yourself in the way of a conference organizer noticing I need somebody to speak? Oh, that person is doing something. Well, let's just have them speak. And you know, from there it's like, all right, I spoke at that conference and then I submitted that video to a different conference and then I have these, you know, this little body of work that's like, hey, I've done some speaking, you know, I could do some speaking and then you start to apply proactively. You're like, mm -hmm. hey, look, this I promise I'm good at stuff and you apply and they're like, yeah, you look good at stuff. We'll have you come do the thing. And from there it just kind of like it it snowballs and the more like the more that you put yourself out there, the more chances you have of somebody random finding your stuff at the exact right moment and literally sending you a DM on Twitter being like, Hey, do you want to come work at our company? Which is how I got this, the job that I'm currently at. So I work at yeah. planet scale and I was just writing these articles about my sequel um, because I was planning to build a course on my own. And then the CEO was reading these articles, which I didn't know. I couldn't have known that. <laughs> and he was reading these articles and he sent me a DM and he was like, Hey, why don't you just come do this for us? It's like, ah, cool. Couldn't have planned it, couldn't have made it happen, mm -hmm. but by putting myself out there, it happened. And that's, again, like the same thing with, you know, publishing video. It's like people are going to see it and they're going to ascribe to you almost unmerited expertise. E merited or not, it doesn't matter. They're <laughs> going to think of you as like, 
oh, they must be a leading voice in the field because who else does video? Only leading voices. And you're like, you could do it too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. We we talked a little bit about reducing barrier to entry on video. And that's the reason this whole course exists, right? You want to help other creators, no matter your domain expertise, do video because uh, it's almost like you've increased your personal SEO quotient. I don't think that's a real thing, but like you have put yourself out there in a way that makes you discoverable and public. And yeah, I love the the concept of the snowball effect too. I mean, I've heard more of your story than what you just shared, but it is a pretty incredible ride that you're on right now. And it seems like there's no end in sight to uh, the snowball effect that you have put in motion by positioning yourself to capture the luck that is out there to be had. And it seems like that started with sharing content and then sharing Mm -hmm. video content specifically. Yep. And I'm out here like I'm out here trying to tell everybody all the secrets and tell you like if I've been very public along the entire journey. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to check the notes, you can go all the way back to like podcasts I was on years ago talking about, hey, this is my strategy. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what I'm doing. This is why (laughs) I think it's working. So I'm trying to share like all along the way. Y'all, this is totally doable. And here's the secret. And it's, it's, I, I don't even know if it's a secret anymore, but it's still really hard to just get over like the, the fear of like being public. Um, yeah. But once, once you do that, it, all, everything is available to you. I totally agree. There's a book that a now famous uh, psychiatrist wrote. I think he's like a celebrity. Oh, there's a Netflix um, documentary. He's like Jonah. I can't remember this guy's name. Oh my gosh. Super famous actor. They did a documentary on him on Netflix. And I just read his book called the tools. And one of the, I think the number five tool is walk straight into the pain. And if you Mm. can walk straight into the pain and face your fears, there's no end to what you can do and accomplish and conquer. And so I think he was citing that as advice he'd given to actors repeatedly, but um, I've actually been teaching our 12 year old son about this Mm. specific tool. And uh, if you're not afraid of a failure or, you know, what could go wrong or the twists and turns or the unknowns or anything like that, there's the whole entire world, I feel like will just open up to you. Correct. I mean, I've been a behind the scenes executive for years at this point and consultant and coach to other uh, CEOs. And now I find myself in this seat and it's totally about just swallow that fear on down and walk straight on through it Um because that's what needs to happen. And, you know, Level Up Creators, our mission is also to reduce barrier to entry for subject matter experts who have something to say, where people are listening to them, to take them to new heights and help people um, create their own luck, create generational wealth. And I feel like, you know, we have a lot of, oh, I can't think of another word besides synergy. I don't like that word at all, but um, <laughs> synergy, like, synergy works. Oh, screencasting and level up do because we're, we're kind of in this business of helping creators level up, do better, yep. reduce the barrier to entry, go out there, put your knowledge into the world because you know, there are going to be the jerks on the internet who are like, well, I knew that you could do that for 20 years. Like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. but guess what? Your information is always going to be novel to someone. And so again, going back to like, obviously audio and video stuff, I've done a couple of audio only podcasts in years past, but again, that 
seemingly huge insurmountable wall in front of me going from audio to video was so big and you just knocked it right off in front of me. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just so much easier after just taking your advice and like spending <laughs> 90 minutes uh, going through what yeah. I needed from your course. Um, anyway. Okay. We're getting sidetracked again and I have more questions for you so we can again, right, reduce that barrier to entry, but yeah, sorry. What do people most often get wrong when re when recording video? Like what could, what are the easiest things to, to make better? Um, I think one of the easiest things to make better is just go faster. I think, you know, <laughs> like you said earlier, like the whole course is really get to the point. And that's one of the things I value really highly is respecting like the viewer's time. Yeah. And so one, I don't, I don't do long rambly like intros. I just, I just start. So go, mm. go faster because you, you have that person, boy, you have them for a few seconds before, before they start to wander. Um, and then uh, I also will, will be ruthless about like redoing it. If I, if I feel that I'm rambling or I do something wrong, I'm like, no, that's, you know, that's not good enough. I'm just going to. I now I know what I want to say, having messed up the video five times. So now I know what I want to say. Now I'm going to do it. And mm -hmm. there are strategies in the course of like how to cut that time down. Um, but I think respecting the viewer's time and, and getting to the point as fast as possible is a big one. And then there are a lot of little technical gotchas. Like the thing I talked about, like hiding the desktop icons. And you're like, boy, that doesn't matter at all. What a silly, like what a silly thing to care about. Agreed. However, if you add up five silly things, 10 silly things, suddenly you look at a you look at a video and you think, I can't quite put my finger on it, but this is really good. And that's the same thing. Like, that's the same thing that like really good physical products have. Right. So anytime you pick up an Apple product, you're like, I don't I don't know. It's good, though. Like, I, I like it. And that's the thing where it's like. They've thought about a million little things, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just asking you to think about five or 10, hide a few things, change a background to something that's pleasing. Um, when you're doing your cuts, don't have long, awkward pauses, like cut it down, make it shorter. And so I think that's, that's the thing that once you are, once you are made aware of it, it's really easy to do and really easy to see. But that's what a lot of, a lot of people miss is they're just never, they're just never aware of it. And so I come in with like, a lot of uh, a lot of experience, but also a whole lot of opinions. Like, if you don't like my opinions, the course isn't going to benefit you. But I have a lot of opinions, and so I come in and say, "Do these things," and that's where you're like, "All right, I can just uh, I'll just do those things," mm -hmm. and that I feel like that's really helpful. It is definitely helpful, and yeah, like you're talking about this kind of like intangible quality of like what makes that video so good. An Apple product is a fantastic analogy there, but all these things that you talk about in your course and the few things that you just mentioned, they're all additive. And so you can take your video very quickly from pretty amateur verging on and professional to quite professional um, by all these little tips and tricks, you know, they, they add up to a pretty significant difference in your, your finished product. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And real quick, you mentioned uh, you will just record a video over and over until you know what you want to say, and then you've got it. Do you use a script or, how to how, what's your workflow? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the things where like I say at the beginning of the course, Hey, I'm about to tell you all my opinions with the script, no script thing. 
I try to represent both sides as fairly as possible because I know it's mm. such a like almost maybe even divide. Um, my the way that I do it is no script, but that doesn't mean I don't know what I'm going to say ahead of time. And so the way that I do it now is, you know, I go through that research phase. I parcel out like these are the topics. Here's like here's the video that I'm going to record. So I already mm. know. All right, I'm going to hit these three, four, five main bullet points, right? The thing that is hard for me is figuring out like, okay, I've got the three, I've got the three signposts. How do I get from one to the next, right? What's my connective tissue? What's Mm -hmm. like my, what's my turn of phrase or my transition to bring the viewer along with me, but also we got to move on. And those (laughs) are the things that I can't figure out for the life of me. I can't figure out without actually starting, like pretending to take the video. So I think there are some people that like they want to sit down and write a script um, and that really works for them. Does not work for me even a little bit. What does work for me is turning on the microphone. I've, I've come up with a new process in the past year or so where I turn on the microphone and I open a Google doc and I hit, you know, transcribe. And I just pretend like I'm giving the video. And that's really helpful for me because I don't actually have to like turn on the lights and the camera and and actually do the screen recording. But it gets those first one, two or three bad takes out of my system and it puts it in text. And so I can go in and be like, actually, that block needs to move down. And then I can see the whole thing. And then what I do is I'll look at this doc that I've transcribed and I'll read through it and be like, okay, yeah, that was my connection from A to B to C. All right, here we go. Turn on the camera and do it like do it fresh. And so that helps me because I know the path that I'm going to take, but you still get that like energy of this is not canned. Um, And so that's how Mm -hmm. I do it. A lot of people do it with a script and it turns out wonderful. I just, I just can't do it without it coming off like really stilted. Mm. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, everybody's got their own unique process and sometimes that takes some trial and error to get there. I, for one, love writing. Uh, Writing is a great clarifier of my thoughts. And so I typically start with outline that, you know, I flesh out into a a full-fledged script and then I may go way off script for, you know, podcast recording or video recording or whatever. But Mm -hmm. um, I have a great degree of confidence if I do have something resembling a script in front of me. So I at least hit, you know, my key points and know that I've fully fleshed out the idea in my head. So yeah, yeah, lots of different ways to go about it. Yep. All right. Walk me through a basic lighting, uh, audio and camera mm-hmm. setup. What are must haves versus nice to haves? Uh, must have is external microphone. So mm-hmm. do not, if you're doing video or just straight audio, Um, my strong encouragement would be do not ever record with something built in. So if you have a laptop, you're like, oh, it's got a microphone on it. You're going to sound like you're talking through a potato. So don't do that. And honestly, uh, AirPods are the same. AirPods are the same way because because of the way Bluetooth works, you're it's going to it's going to sound so crunchy. You're going to sound terrible. So my my must have is uh, is a microphone, external microphone. And there are a few, uh, I think it's like the AT2005 USB and the Shure MV7. You can put them in the show notes. But Mm -hmm. there are a few external microphones that I would recommend. I would start with just straight plug and play USB microphone. Yeah. Um, That's totally, totally good enough. You do not need to go into like audio engineer 
territory. Um, I'm I'm not even in that territory. That's just a space that I don't need to go to. Mm-hmm. Then you start thinking about like what's a nice to have. Um, I think my encouragement is always going to be show your face on video because people will connect with you better. And so you'll need some kind of camera. There are really, really, really good webcams for like $150, $200, maybe $300. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Elgato products, they have, I think, two line, two face cams. It's like Facecam and Facecam Pro. They're both awesome. I would totally go with that. Um, if you already have a decent webcam, just stick with that. Stick with that until you feel like, Okay, I'm I'm in this for real. Let's, you know, let's level up to borrow a name. Let's level up here and get <laughs> something better. Um beyond that, I think maybe having an external light. Um so I don't rely on overhead lights because it's, you know, directly above me and it makes me look really dead. And so I've got I've got a couple of lights in here, but I think even just one light that like fills you up so I can turn off I can turn off um all of the other lights besides this big guy right Mm. here. And Mm -hmm. even that just makes me look like it just makes me look dramatic and well lit. And it helps my camera a whole lot to have like a, like a hearty adequate source of light. Um, And so that's kind of the levels, like definitely get an external microphone, put it on an arm so that like when you're, you know, when you're tapping on your desk, it's not like shaking around. So get an external microphone, put it on an arm, get it as close to your mouth as possible then use whatever camera you have or grab something in the low end, the high end of webcams, but the low end mm-hmm. of cameras in general. And then if you really want to grab, grab a light that can be um, softer on your face than something like an overhead light would be. Yeah, totally. All right, cool. Yeah. And you've totally run me, um, won me over to the whole Elgato um, suite of products. I mean, that's, I've got it's like good, their right? key light, key light, mini, yep. key light, mini, the little hair light, yep. the highlights here. Yeah. Um, yep. And then the cool LEDs on the bookshelf. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're that's a total game changer. Yeah. They're yeah. Great. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll show real quick, like just even this backlight. Um, let's see. Huge difference, right? Between Huge that difference. And, on yep. and off. And so I appreciate that extra tip on that. That was a really yeah. inexpensive way to just completely change the whole camera frame. And so, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. All right. And you, of course, speak at length about equipment in your course, but mm-hmm. um, what are maybe you've mentioned a few products, but let's kind of like, yeah, distill that down to a few that, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go, what's kind of the, maybe in the good, better, best lineup what's maybe the better option for light camera mic yeah so the better option so the middle middle of the road before you reach into like i'm a video producer so i think the shore microphone which is what i'm using here the Mm -hmm. shore microphones are named incredibly bad i think there's an mv7 and an mb7 which is just insane to me um so i think it's it's the cheaper of the two the one that has the usb interface Mm -hmm. i think it's like a 250 dollars microphone very very good highly recommended usb plug it straight in move on um if you want to graduate out of webcams which the that elgato face cam will take you such a long way but if you want to graduate out of webcams into dslrs so those big bulky cameras Mm -hmm. with the actual lenses on it I would recommend the Canon M50 5.0. That's what I'm using right here. And mm-hmm. it works great as a webcam. You can just plug it plug it in through uh, like a camera capture card by Elgato called the Cam Link. And then you mm-hmm. just plug that into your computer as USB. 
it's like, oh, it just shows up as a webcam. And I have a different lens on this camera. It's a Sigma 16 millimeter lens, which okay. makes the, the background blurry. Um, and this room truly is tiny. This is a nine foot by nine foot room. And so it's really small. And so mm -hmm. that, that extra background blur that I get makes, makes the room feel a little deeper. Um, and yeah. that all comes, that all comes directly <laughs> from the lens. And then for the lighting, I would recommend going with all Elgato products. So yeah. they've got a, a key light, a key light air, a key light mini. I think I behind me have a key light mini and you can kind of see the effect there. Um, but I would recommend doing that and getting, you know, maybe a big fill light on one side and a little light on the other. That would probably be, that would probably be good. I do like, again, cause it's a small room. I do like having this, like this little ring effect on, you know, from the light behind me. Um, mm -hmm. But you and I are very extra and we, you know, it's kind of fun at that point. So I would, you know, at least get a big light on, on one or both sides of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you told me to get that sure microphone and I ended up getting a different one. Um, it says audio technica. I don't know. Yeah, That's the AT yeah. 2005. Yeah. USB. It was like yeah. 80 bucks. Like, I think. Yeah. I think they have sales yeah. where it's like $70. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're graduating out of like AirPods or built-in microphone, that AT, that AT 2005 USB is the microphone I used for like five years mm. and it was, it was fine. And then, you know, I got some gift card and was like, hey, I'm going to buy a new microphone. So it, I didn't even really need it. I just wanted it. Yeah, totally. And it's a beautiful microphone as well, but you do a good yeah. job hiding it in your videos. Yeah, thanks. And I mean, I spent 700 bucks maybe. I happen to already have the, I think, good, better, best, better version of the webcam that you recommended. Nice. But then, yeah, I just got the key light, key light mini, key light mini, a mic, and the microphone stand arm what's it called yep. yeah mic arm mic yeah. arm okay which elgato also has i should have mentioned that yeah they have a wave arm and that's the brand name wave and it's it's very good that's what i use yeah it was fairly easy to set up and everything is controlled from one little control panel panel mm -hmm. on my desktop and i know it's like really really simple and i'm not a super technical person i mean like fairly but not at software developer level mm -hmm. and so you don't have to be at software developer level to get this set up for yourself. So, yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, Thanks for the tips. It, it just takes it from like, like really, like really harsh, clearly recording on like mm. basically a, you know, a home office zoom call kind of quality to um, like a professional video quality. Yeah. And it, it honestly, it takes several few hundred dollars and some thought and you go from like, like harsh shadows with, you know, weird lighting in the background to everything's a little bit softer and your skin tone is right. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's worth it. Even yeah. if, even if all you do is video calls, I think it's worth investing, you know, three to $500 to make yourself look super good on camera. I fully agree. It is just a, a complete game changer. And I think that, like you said earlier, the perception of the person that you are watching on camera or in a zoom call with or whatever, um, you see them in a different light, pun intended. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. And do you know how much that DSLR camera is that you recommended? Yeah, I think this Canon M50 that comes with a lens, not the lens I have, but it comes with a lens, mm -hmm. I think is 550. Okay. And that's a pretty and significant so, 
Yeah, it's a big jump. Step and up. The, yeah. And the face cams, I mean, the face cams are very good. And so at that mm. point, you're only doing it because you're like, well, I really want to start playing around with the lens and the background blur and that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I would stay out of that unless unless that's going to be partly a hobby for you is to be like, ah, I want to do the camera thing. So, yeah. Mm, okay, got it. I think that's my next step. Next mm-hmm. step from here. Maybe next podcast season, I'll I'll move mm-hmm. up to the DSLR. But yeah, and you when also it's a write off when it's a write off, you're like, oh, ah, right, right. it's a business expense. Like, ah, just whatever. Thirty yeah. percent less. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And you also have your camera on its own tripod, right? It's not like I attached do. to your monitor or your desk. I do. Yeah. Um. I my desk is relatively shaky. It's like a you know eight year old standing mm-hmm. desk, and so it's not mm-hmm. quite as stable as it once was. And what I found is when I was typing, when I had this big, heavy camera, like on my desk, it kind of just like wobbled and it was fine, except the background wobbles a lot more, right? Because of perception. And so what I have now is I have my, um, my webcam, which is this Canon mounted on a tripod that sits on the floor, not attached to my desk at all. And that was just like the camera's heavy, the desk is kind of wobbly, and maybe I'm an aggressive typer. Uh, but that was one of those things where I noticed, oh, this is a little bit, it's a little bit disorienting and nauseating mm-hmm. to watch. So I can fix that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's a good pro tip for sure. Um, all right, let's talk about editing. And in your course, mm. you talk about kind of this concept of beginning with the end in mind. And so um, you talk about ways to record your screencasts mm-hmm. in a way that makes it much easier to edit and edit yeah. faster. Can you share a couple Definitely tips and tricks? Faster. Fast, fast and high quality is the goal. Mm-hmm. And it seems like those um, are diametrically opposed. But <laughs> by thinking about those things up front, like those 5, 10, 15 things up front, we have eliminated a lot of the problematic areas when it comes to editing, right? So a benefit of hiding everything that you're not focused on while recording is it keeps the viewer like focused on the thing you're teaching them. A secondary benefit mm-hmm. is it's a lot easier to edit when there's only one thing going on on the screen, right? If you've got a bunch of windows on the screen and you're dragging them all around, there's a 0% chance those are going to stay in the right spot if you have to kind of like hide Mm. something or cut out a chunk later and like you redo a part and you're like, Oh, I can't, I can't set these windows all up the exact same way. So like minimize everything that you don't need on the screen. I think another thing is like when you're recording, if you have, if if you know the structure of your video and you know where you're going to switch between like talking head and screen, or you're going to change what's showing on the screen, You can start to like, while you're recording, basically do some of the editing work just mentally. And that's by thinking, okay, I know for this portion of the video, it's just me, just full on, full screen, talking head. I got to nail this part, right? Because what I don't like to see, I don't like to see the YouTube style where every two and a half seconds is a cut. Like that, I'm maybe I'm too old, but that I find that (laughs) distracting. And like, I want to see, you know, 15, 30 seconds, a minute of like, just talk to me and tell me exactly what's going on. Don't like chop it all together. And so if it's a big talking head, I know, all right, I got to nail this part. Maybe it's 30 seconds and maybe it takes me six tries, but I would rather do the six tries 
then spend 10 minutes in editing trying to you know chop out all my mistakes i'd rather just be like forget that i'm just gonna do it again because at that point i know what i'm gonna say i just have to do it without flubbing and i can do that for 30 seconds and then when i'm you know when you're recording the screen i like to just just record in chunks as much as possible so i know what like when i get to my next signpost like my next point that i'm about to transition I can just kind of stop there for a second and know that I got that last chunk down. Like I nailed it. And I can just stop there and think like, okay, I know what my transition is. I know where I'm going. And if I'm on the screen, like if my face is on screen, I just hold still. It looks insane, but I just hold super still. And I'm like, okay, the next thing is this. All right. And here we go. And I start like that chunk or that part, the next part. Um, if I'm not on screen, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to just edit the screen without your face on video because you don't notice jumps whatsoever. And so doing a lot of that thought up front like makes the editing process really easy. And then there are several technical ways to cover edits and make it seem like it was all one consistent take. And those those are the best because then like it's not it doesn't feel like you did any editing at all. It just feels like, oh, now they're switching back to the screen. And now he's going to explain something with his hands. And now he's switching back to the screen. And it just feels very, very smooth. <laughs> now he's going to explain something with his hands. <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> you know, they say about people that gesticulate a lot, their mm -hmm. brain is working so fast and they can't get the words out of their mouth fast enough. So I think it's a sign of intelligence if you're yeah, gesticulating. We'll you do that, that a lot. <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, let's just go with that. Okay. It's good for me. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> cool. And I mean, I have a short checklist that I follow before we start recording any of these shows. And yeah, just like minimizing windows and distractions and turning your phone off and turning off your Slack notifications yep. and email notifications and all those kinds of things can eliminate a lot of, of headaches in your editing time. So you're, you're talking about 10 minutes of editing. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, that's super fast. So yeah, I mean, the process is crazy. If you do this, like, like, if you basically if you spread the load over recording and editing, then mm -hmm. you get to the editing part. And the first thing you do is you look at all of like, you look at the entire video, and you can see like the wave forms and you see where it gets silent. And you just go in and you're like, Oh, that was a bad take jump to the next one. Oh, that was a bad take. Oh, here's the good take and I chop mm. all of it out. And so you do this rough cut pass, where you're like, Alright, take you know, it's usually the last take, because why would I do another take if that one was good? So I jumped to like the last take. And I'm like, there's the good chunk. There's a good chunk. There's a good chunk, all the rest of that garbage. I barely even watch it. And then I have those like three or four chunks that I'm like, all right, let's fine tune mm -hmm. here. Oh, let's cover this little mistake here. And we're done. And so spreading that load over the recording and editing section just, uh, just makes my life so much easier. Yeah, I mean, that is a great tip in and of itself to ensure that you're leaving adequate pauses uh, oh, when, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. when you know that you're going to need to edit a section out. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a great tip as well. I like that. I like the idea of going through and just doing a quick run, um, mm -hmm. removing those. Yeah, okay. That's great. And I, I always encourage <laughs> people to do the rough cut. I call it the rough cut pass. Do the rough cut immediately after you finish recording because it's still mm -hmm. fresh on your mind. Like, oh, I know that this part I messed up. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to do the rough cut. And as you do it, you get, you can kind of like watch it back. And maybe one out of 10 times I decide, 
I just really didn't explain that very well. Like, that's just a bad video. But I'm still in the zone, right? I'm still in the mindset of this particular video. So mm -hmm. I will do the rough cut and then not do the fine tuning or anything and move on to recording. But sometimes I do the rough cut and I'm like, this is garbage. And I just re-record the entire thing. And much better to decide that in the moment than a week later when you're like, all right, now it's time to do all my editing. I'm free of recording. Mm -hmm. And you realize... Oh, this was bad, but I really don't want to record again. And so you leave the bad version and it's like, ah, oh, shoot. So do the rough cut immediately after you're done recording. And if it's good enough, then you can move on to the next video. That's a great idea because it's so fresh and things move so yes. much faster when they're fresh in your mind. And you have yes. great self-awareness too. I like that. You're always thinking about it from the, the viewer and the customer's perspective. So yeah, as your customer, I, just, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've just watched so many courses where it's, or videos where they'll say something wrong and then they like put mm -hmm. the text on the screen of, hey, wait, actually, I meant to say this thing here. And I'm like, that I, I totally understand that trade-offs need to be made. <laughs> but I just paid like $500 for your course mm. and you're, you're pasting in text descriptions about how you messed up. I'm like, could you just have maybe reshot that one video? So that I just, that's, you know, one of my opinions that I bring yeah. to this is, Hey, I want, if somebody's going to buy a thing that I make, you, you better believe I'm going to try to make it as good as I can. And sometimes that means redoing stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially for things that you are selling for real dollars. I think there's a little bit more tolerance for error and humanity in just regular old Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter content. 100%. Yep. Different ballgame with the long form videos and anything you are asking people to pay for. So Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Aaron, and for sharing so much of your knowledge with us. If you, listener, make content online, do not skip this course. Go to screencasting.com and buy it now. It's like three or 400 bucks and you'll save that much in a heartbeat on the equipment <laughs> that Aaron recommends. <laughs> and uh, Aaron, we're excited to see where your creator journey takes you next. Um, I cannot wait to see what luck comes around the corner uh, in 2024 for you. Where can our listeners find you online? Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been uh, super fun. I love talking about this kind of stuff. People can find me on Twitter at Aaron D. Francis, D as in Daniel, um, or let's see, AaronFrancis.com, either place, but mostly, mostly Twitter. That's where I spend uh, too much of my time. All right. We'll give Aaron a follow and we'll link all of these recommendations up in the show notes. And we know that time is precious. Thank you so much for sharing yours with us. Level Up Creators exists to amplify the voice, reach, and impact of creators making a positive impact in the world. With your expertise as our focus, our team of strategists, marketers, sales pros, product developers, administrators, and tech gurus handle the heavy lifting of building and optimizing a profitable business that will transform your life for good. Subscribe to the show and check out welevelupcreators.com for more info and resources for creators just like you. See you next time on the Level Up Creators podcast. What could you accomplish in your business if you had an entire team of experts available to advise you on any aspect of your company whenever you need it? And what if you not only had this team in your back pocket, but the exact education you need to move your company forward available to you 24-7, 365? Well, today's your lucky day because that's exactly what Level Up Creator School is. 
It's a full fractional team of advisors that you have tremendous access to during the work week and the courses and trainings you need to take your company to new heights. For just a few hundred dollars a month, you can access the Level Up Creators Consulting Team, and there's no business challenge we can't solve. Check out levelupcreatorschool.com today and meet your new team.